Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, everybody, to Tuesday Breakfast. It's the 6th of March. It sure is. My name's George. I'm here with Ayan. We're again without Lauren, but this should be the last week. Yes, it's time to come home, Lauren. (laughs) Um, So today we've got a pretty jam-packed program, as always. Um, We'll be talking, uh, we'll be playing an interview that I did with Anne Hunt from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare about a new report on family violence. And what have we got after that? Yeah, so at 7.45, we'll be hearing from the amazing Namila Benson, who is a broadcaster, ABC producer and educator. She's currently the producer of um, a really awesome podcast that I listen to called Life Matters. So it's a radio national program. And at 8.10, we'll be hearing from Tamara Leacock, um, Tamara is uh, the head of um, Remuse. Um, she's uh, she's booking a fashion show, um, and the fun uh, it's a fundraiser for the Puerto Rico Humanitarian Relief, and it's part of the Virgin Australian Melbourne Fashion Week. So there's that to look forward to. Hectic, another hectic show. <laughs> Should we launch into some news headlines? Yes, hit me. Okay. So the Kansas Republican Party has approved a resolution opposing all efforts to validate transgender identity. The resolution entitled Regarding Human Sexual Identity takes a stance against access to medical treatments for trans people. The party stated that while they recognize the dignity of all humans, Also, they support God's design for gender as determined by biological sex and not by what they refer to as self-perception. We are seeing a concerning trend in anti-trans and also more broadly anti-LGBTQIA sentiments. Last year, over 120 anti-LGBTQIA bills were introduced in the U.S. Shanta Rubin, the Tamil asylum seeker forcibly deported from Australia last week, is facing harassment and intimidation from security forces, according to human rights advocates. Shanta Rubin came to Australia by boat in 2012 as a former member of the Tamil Tigers who have faced persistent post-war persecution in Sri Lanka. After five years, he has been denied refugee status in Australia. He is currently living in northeast Jaffna, where he, where his fam- where he has family connections. The UN and human rights groups have repeatedly reported the dangers that Tamils associated with the Tigers, like Shantaraban, face if they return to their country. The Guardian has reported that since the Liberal, uh, the Liberal National Coalition came to power in 2013 in Tasmania, oh sorry, 
in Australia, the average Australian household has less disposable income. Despite Australia now in its 26th year without a recession, the standard of living has not risen in seven years. With costs of energy and health cover going up and workers' wages growth at record low levels, The Guardian believes this will be the issue on which the next federal, federal election turns. The Liberals' win in Tasmania will impact abortion clinics in the state. Due to lack of funding, the last remaining public clinic which provided subsidised surgical terminations has closed. Despite abortion being decriminalised in Tasmania in 2013, the Liberal Party have been opposed to the move and will not provide, provide further funding to maintain a public provisional service in Tasmania. Good old Tasmania. Um, let's, let's hear some music just to, um, I guess, offset that with that news. Yeah, um, but, <laughs> sorry, is it? Uh, Very bad news. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, when isn't, isn't news? <laughs> Sometimes you just wish that um, the world could just pause on all the mm. um, drama. I can give some happy news before that. Yes, It's going to be a beautiful 27 degrees today Girl. and sunny. Yes. <laughs> so I need to take off this jacket. Because I left early in the, I left my house like five something, mm. so I had to have this jacket on. But it's good. Uh, so now I don't have any place to put this jacket. Um, now that now that I know it's going to be really warm later <laughs> Back on. Back to bad news again. So yeah. <laughs> so well, it's it's always me looking for. Um, I guess it's me. I've got to change my perspective, as they say. Um, so let's hear uh, a song. Um, we're going to hear a song by Lady Lash called um, "Family All the Way." Uh, just a heads up. Um, I had to listen to the song. I did not pick up on it, any swear words, but there might be a few, um, uh, a few unsavory words, maybe. So if you're in the car with children, um, maybe flick away for four minutes and 17 seconds and then come <laughs> back. Um, now to family all the way. And that was, um, Lady Lash with family all the way. Uh, hi, my name's Sarah. I love coming here because they offer vegan food. Hi, my name's Paul. I've, this is my first time at Friends of the Earth. I think it's really awesome and the food's great, really healthy and nutritious. Friends of the Earth Food Co-op, 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. A tuneful experience. A 3CR supporter. We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts, and so do we. They're a bargain at $20 for adults and $15 for kids, and come in black, white, grey, and a cool light blue. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street, or order by phoning 9419-8377. Or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one.
to turn it off. I know. I, I could tell. I was like, wrap it up. No. <laughs> um, so now we're going to um, uh, share some news, uh, short news from the Australia-Asia Worker Links. That's Australia-Asia Worker Links. Um, so the first one is to... Um, pretty much acknowledge International Women's Day. So International Women's Day is on March 8th, and it's a, it's a day that has had a long history um, of women's efforts towards attaining gender equality. Um, International Women's Day originated in the U.S. in 1908 when women garment workers held demonstrations protesting against their appalling and dangerous working conditions. Women's struggles is a union business, the sphere of unpaid and paid work is also part of this movement, and labor activists around the world are still fighting for gender equality at the workplace. The Australia-Asia Worker Links, in solidarity with workers internationally, will celebrate International Women's Day on the 8th of March in Melbourne, Australia. Um, there's also um, the Australia-Asia Worker Links is also hosting um, a public meeting on when is it so it's my well it's on march the 8th from 6 p.m to 8 p.m at the mua auditorium it's at 46-54 island street west melbourne so um if you can come out there's also another um rally uh on international women's day as well um, that's a bit closer. It's at the State Library. It is at 5.30 p.m. So outside of the State Library, 5.30 p.m. So come out for that. That should be really interesting. The last one was really huge, if I, if I remember correctly. Hopefully this one, because there was a lot of criticism um, because there were some women who had... Uh, what was it, the vagina? Oh, that what was, was that? Awful. What was the... So the transphobic, yeah. the, um, sex worker transphobic, rad femme uh, position. Yeah. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, so I, I guess there's a, a kind of a, a sect of feminism. Um, I mean, there's lots of problematic areas in feminism, in white feminism, and particularly that older second wave radical feminist position that believes that uh, trans people, uh, you know, for, in some way their identity, uh, especially trans women, is in insulting to women and they think that this is, you know, it's, it's such a kind of paradox because on the one hand, um, they believe in the social construction of gender, mm -hmm. um, so if it's socially constructed then what is, what is the big deal with um, anybody, no matter what they're, um, how they're born, right. identifying as feminine or masculine or male or female? Yeah. You can't um, say... But that's, ha that's okay. their position. Right, so you can't say it's constructed and then be like, oh, but um, the trans community, that's different. Yeah, okay. exactly. It just, it, I don't think they realise that the, the argument hmm. does, isn't very log log logical. And in a, in a similar way, uh, there's ideas about sex workers and how that is that, that that they're oppressed and that this is an industry that only women are involved in mm. and how is this intertwined with patriarchy and blah 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 uh, but usually with both of these positions they don't really have much uh, sort of they don't really connect with 
those groups, trans groups mm. and also the sex worker community to ask them about how they feel and what they think they need. So it's a very kind of disempowering, imposing, this is, you know, this is the right thing for the feminist movement. And it's so harmful when you see those posters at those rallies. Yeah. Where that's meant to be, a, you know, I don't know. You, An I inclusive guess, space, yeah. supposedly. Yeah. I'm hoping the I don't know who will be speaking, but I hope the speakers also represent that diversity that we yeah, were just talking about. Definitely. And f- from all across classes and um I guess um racial backgrounds and yeah. cultures. I hope it's not I hope it's not speaking to the same people. Last year do you remember was there I don't a know. mixture of speakers I, or I haven't I haven't got I did not go cuz I'm always like oh what's the point <laughs> yeah um which is so disappointing because we and you're you're probably right like you're right that yeah. you know having um hesitations about going mm. but it's just really disappointing because this should be uh, a a rally that everyone should feel like it is doing a positive thing yeah it should be and um I know one group that's going to do an amazing job of creating that diversity, and that's 3CR's broadcast of the <laughs> International Women's Day. Yes, so tell us about that. So that starts at 11 p.m., is it? 11 p.m. or 12 p.m.? Let me have uh, a look. Or is it 12 No, 12. What am I saying, 12? Because yeah. obviously it starts on International Women's <laughs> Day. Cool, Ayan. So from 12 uh, a.m. to... Um, Basically, 24 hours of radio that's dedicated to women, um, all types of women from across the board. And so 3CR is going to do a day, a day just dedicated to um, content that's supporting women, that's um, promoting issues that affect women. And I know the breakfast crew, Thursday breakfast, are also doing a really special panel of amazing guests such as, um, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm having a, a brain fart, Shakira Hussein. Um, there's going to be um, Adela from the Multicultural International, Multicultural Women's Centre. Um, so there's going to be, yeah, and just an amazing lineup of um, uh, women killing the game um, in their respective fields. So that's one to look out for. And that's 7 to 9 p.m. Um, oh, sorry, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on International Women's Day. So, um, yeah, so just flick onto 8.55 a.m. dial and l- you will have your ears, I guess, um, uh, tintillated mm. with amazing content. It sounds like... Uh, the people involved, such as Ayan, have really put a lot of effort into the day, so I'm really excited to. No. Yeah, it's it's, it's <laughs> I'm 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 I like to consider myself a hype person, so I'm I'm supporting Thursday breakfast. Um, so that's going to be amazing. I really I'm really looking forward to that. So yeah, um, I think we'll share. I think I've already shared a link on on Tuesday breakfast. Um, so if you go on our Tuesday breakfast page on Facebook and click on that link, and you'll see. For yourself, all the lineup of incredible um, um, work. So, uh, just another quick um, news: the dispute against the global giant Esso slash Exxon in the small southeastern Australian town of Longford has now been going over for for over 250 days. The company is attempting to use subcontracting and sham employment contracts 
to slash the wages and conditions of hundreds of workers. There has been support from workers all around Australia, and while the picket line outside the SO Exxon is solid, more needs to be done to involve other workers and workplaces against global companies like Exxon. Coordinated industrial actions with other Exxon sites around the world would be most effective in increasing the power and effectiveness of workers' actions. Um, and I think there's one, one more news. So it has been over four years since Reza Barati was murdered during a riot at the Manus concentration camp in Papua New Guinea. The fact that in all those years no one has, brought, has been brought to justice reflects the Australian government contempt for refugees. In the, offshore, in the other offshore concentration camp in Nauru, a new leaked report attests to the fact that refugees have been housed in unhealthy conditions for years due to untreated mould outbreaks. In late March, coordinated protest rallies will be held all around Australia demanding the closure of these concentration camps and an end to the repression of asylum seekers and refugees. So it sounds like some very important events that um, hopefully we can get down to as well. Yeah, and there's a song that I wanted to play that would tie nicely mm. in with that. Um, I'm actually searching it now. Um, ah. It's by Queen Latifah, and it's, ah, nice. it's pretty much a song saying, I'm not your B-I-T-C-H. <laughs> I um, like it. It's yeah, it's, it's actually a really popular song. It's a 90s um, uh, rap song by her. It's called Unity. So um, we will play that um, shortly. Um, just stay tuned. We'll be back. We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts, and so do we. They're a bargain at $20 for adults and $15 for kids, and come in black, white, grey, and a cool light blue. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 94198377. Or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. And let us hear some music from the Queen, one of the um, old OGs of rap, Queen Latifah, and the song is U-N-I-T-Y, A Unity. And uh, that was Queen Latifah, U-N-I-T-Y. We thought it would be such an important song, um, not just for International Women's Day, but just a general anthem um, for women and just speaking out to the patriarchy and saying I'm not your B-I-T-C-H I'm, I'm not hey girl I'm not none of that unless it's a friend and I've given you permission I guess it's all about consent hey yeah um, there's so some concessions there you go there you go so um, uh, George yes what's happening in the world of community I've only got a couple of community announcements this week. Uh, The first one is about Cultural Diversity Week. It's a celebration of multiculturalism running from the 17th to the 25th of March. It's a week held annually to coincide with the United Nations Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination, otherwise known as Harmony Day, on the 21st. 
This year's theme, Proud to Belong, recognises that belonging is a challenge for newly arrived people and encourages sharing and embracing everyone's cultural heritage. So you can go to the City of Melbourne website, melbourne.vic.gov.au, for more information about the week's events. Uh, next event is about transport. Join key thinkers, strategists and industry experts at this Melbourne Conversations event. They'll discuss congestion, population growth, climate change and technological advances that will transform our transport future from 6.30pm at the NGV International 180 St Kilda Road, Melbourne. And the other event which... Ayan has already mentioned, but I thought deserves a double mention today, is the International Women's Day Rally and March at the State Library at 5.30pm. Yay, dope, 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 dope. Um, shortly, we will be having um, Anne Hunt join us at 7.35. Oh, that's actually a pre-recorded interview. Oh, <laughs> apologies, apologies. Well, she's we kind of joining us yeah. from the past. Yes, wow, look at that. Back <laughs> to the future, I love that. Technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's hear, I've actually um, made the... Um, Initiative to choose a song, if that's okay. Of course, please. <laughs> so I, I like thought it. I would play um, uh, a song by the Fugees called. I love the Fugees. Yeah. Okay. So I did pick the right which, song. Which song? Ready or not. But uh, do we need to give a? Uh, oh God. You yeah. know what? All these young people up in this morning, bless you. Um. You know what? It's been a while, so I'm not too. I think because sure. Lauren just bought me the CD. Uh, and I've been list- I think all the songs have a little bit of something. Okay, so um, um, what we can do is, what about Killing Me Softly? But we can still play, can we still play it? Uh, I don't know. Okay, let's play Killing Me Softly to be safe. Yes, yes, okay, cool. and then um, maybe we can play it later on. Yep, sounds good. They're oh, all good tracks. Amazing, amazing, amazing. God, God bless Lauren Hill. Okay, so let's get us some Lauren. And that was one of our home girls, and yes, I do call her our home girl, Lauren Hill, um, with Killing Me Softly. Camp Anarchy is on again from March the 10th to the 12th, bringing anarchists, their families, and those interested in anarchist ideas together in a relaxing bush setting to share ideas, skills, food, music and laughter. Workshops include creative action, mischief and mayhem, cooperative housing, radical parenting, street medics, building real life communities, global warming's local effects, transformative justice, military in Australia and much more. For more info, check out www.campanarchy.org or search for Camp Anarchy 2018 on Facebook. Camp Anarchy is a 3CR supporter. And we're back at Tuesday Breakfast, 8.55am on your dial with myself, George and Diane. So I'm going to play an interview now that I did last Friday with Anne Hunt from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare. I just want to give a content warning. We, we discussed uh, family and domestic violence. And so I've just got some numbers here. If any of the content is distressing for you, you can call Safe Steps, which is a 24-7 family violence response Phone line on one eight hundred zero one five 
188. There's also WIRE, Women's Information and Referral Exchange. Their number is 1300-134-130. And lastly, the Sexual Assault Crisis Line on 1800-806-292. It's Friday, 10 a.m. I have Anne Hunt on the line. She's the head of the Family, Domestic and Sexual Violence Unit at the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, which is Australia's leading independent health and welfare statistics agency. She's joining me from Canberra to discuss a report published two days ago, which looked into family, domestic and sexual violence in Australia. Hi, Anne. Thanks for joining me this morning. Thanks, George. Pleased to be with you. Well, let's dive right into the report. Can you give me a brief overview of how the data was collected and what sources were used? Uh, yes, I can. So the report we released brought together for the first time more than 20 different major data sources to build a picture of what we know about family and domestic violence. So we brought together population surveys and then also uh, data sources like police data, hospitals data, child protection data, homelessness data. We looked at some longitudinal studies that uh, had looked at family and domestic violence. And so we brought all these data sources together to try and build a picture of what we know and also to identify what we don't know and where the data gaps were. Wow, that sounds like a pretty huge, a huge amount of information to, to collect. That was one of the challenges, was how to present this information so it was digestible. But one of the good things about this report is that we've um, broken it down to look at some of the risks for family domestic violence, to look at how prevalent uh, these forms of violence are, and then what happens after someone experiences violence. Mm -hmm. And then we've looked at some of the impacts and the long-term effects on individuals and the community. And so what are some of the, the significant findings from the report? So I suppose one of our key stats was that um, we found that violence, particularly these forms of violence, are very prevalent, that one in six women and one in 16 men have experienced physical or sexual violence from a current or former partner since the age of 15. When we looked at emotional abuse, this was even more common and more evenly experienced by men yeah. and women. I thought that was quite interesting that um, with emotional abuse there wasn't as much as a, of a divide between men and women. What was interesting was that the responses to the emotional abuse uh, were different between men and women and that women were more likely to report that they feel anxious and afraid after the emotional abuse. And that um, men were less likely to talk about it in those terms? Yes. Mm, that's, that, yeah, that is very interesting. Another finding that I thought was um, quite significant is that 54% uh, of women said that they experienced some sort of violence repeatedly, that it wasn't just an, a one-off offence. Yes, family and domestic violence can be experienced in a range of ways, but quite often the um, violence increases in frequency Mm -hmm. And that's what our report found. And that also, is it that rates have been quite stable since 2005, is that right? From the population surveys, it does look like that people reporting these forms of violence has stayed relatively stable. But one of the strengths of this report is by bringing other, other data sources in, we also get a bit more of a glimpse of what's really happening. And we did actually find that in some of the other data sources, there have been increases. So we do know that 
the number of clients seeking specialist homeless services that's for, for family domestic violence that's increased by 10% on average each year over the last five years. Okay, that's very significant. We also know there's been a general increase in hospitalisations for women assaulted by their partner and that's just been a little bit under 2% increase every year. And we know that um, police data show the number of recorded sexual assault victims has increased for five years and that's increased by 24% since 2011. Mm. And that the number of children receiving child protection services, that's risen by 20% over the last four years. Now those increases could be due to there's an increasing prevalence of family domestic violence. It could also be that people are more likely to identify that's the reason why they're seeking those services. So we just have to be a bit mindful of that when we're looking at trends. Mm. Um, and this was our very first report collecting all this data. So we're hoping that as we continue to report, uh, it'll be a bit clearer uh, um, what's happening with these trends. Mm. So you could potentially do further studies that investigated each of these increases to try and understand exactly why there has been a change. Yes, yes. Uh, the report mentions that family and sexual violence occurs across all socioeconomic groups. I was wondering, does that mean that it occurs equally across these groups and, and did you collect any data to um, provide this information? So you're correct that it can occur across anywhere in society, but we do know that it predominantly affects women and children and uh, we also know that there are some groups at greater risk for example, Indigenous women mm. and younger women. And when women separate from their partners, they're at greater risk. And women experiencing financial hardship, uh, quite often it happens when a woman's pregnant. Um, and then for people with disabilities and for those that have experienced or witnessed domestic violence as a child, they're at greater mm. risk. That's a, Yeah, that last one is... Um uh, that idea of intergenerational yes. violence, that must be quite a, a significant issue. Our report found that before the age of 15 that one in six girls and one in nine boys had been physically or sexually abused mm. and that this then did increase their risk of being a victim in later life. And um, if you'd witnessed violence, you were more like three times more likely to experience domestic violence later on mm. and if you had actually um, experienced uh, this abuse you were also at greater risk. So do, are there any theories as to why that happens? Is it, um, do pe are people who experience violence in their childhood, are they, is it sort of repeating a, um, a family dynamic that is known to you? Is it, what are the theories about that? Our report really didn't go into that mm. but we're hoping that other researchers and things can use our report as a basis to mm. do further work to try and unpack those issues. Yeah and it does seem like all of these at-risk groups that you mentioned sort of need their own um, investigations to look at the factors that do make these groups vulnerable. Uh, and we do know that um, there are many risk factors that contribute to family and domestic violence and they're usually not one single factor. That, um, so uh, personal, a 
person's personal history, um, such as their expo previous exposure to domestic violence, and then some of the situational factors that they um, experience, like their family relationships and alcohol use. We know that alcohol is involved in about one or three incidents of domestic violence, and then this can be overlaid by other factors like unemployment and geographic isolation, mm -hmm. and then also people's beliefs uh, and values like rigid gender roles and masculinity linked to dominance mm. and toughness, these can all contribute to increase uh, an individual's risk of experiencing these forms of violence. So, it's so it sounds really um, multifactorial that any kind of uh, policy approach or any um, sort of ways of addressing this issue would have to take into consideration all of these various factors. Yes, and I think... One of the things our report does show is that it is a complex issue and one that really needs um, good, solid evidence to help tackle these problems. And that's our hope that this evidence can be used by policymakers and researchers um, to help um, develop prevention programs to better tackle uh, these issues. So is that the main focus in terms of outcomes? Is it about using evidence-based information uh, to work towards prevention? Uh, yes, uh, and also then looking at what are the best responses and the most effective treatments for people to help minimise their risk and make them safe. Mm -hmm. And are there any gaps in the research? So our report identified quite a few gaps. We don't know a lot about children's experiences of family and domestic violence and then the long-term impacts. And uh, a lot of the population surveys, by their very nature, um, it's very difficult to get sufficient um, information about at-risk groups like um, the LGBTI community and people with disabilities uh, and some of the um, uh, called people, the um, people born outside Australia. Um, we don't have good data on um, their, their risks for these forms of violence. Mm, and I suppose if the if the the risks are different depending on which group, then perhaps these sort of broad um, reports aren't as useful because they don't look at the individual factors. No, it's a starting point, um, but we're hoping that we can do more work um, to help address these data gaps. And one of the first things is to highlight where there is a data gap and then look at ways that we can best try and address some of these uh, gaps in the future. Mm. Thank you so much, Anne, for speaking with me today. I think that uh, a lot of our listeners would really appreciate you taking the time to discuss this report, and this is obviously an issue that affects so many people, and I hope we can see um, some of these outcomes come to fruition, and Choose a Breakfast will keep a keen eye out for any further developments. So thank you very much. Thank you, George. So that was me speaking with Anne Hunt from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare. I just want to mention some of those numbers that I spoke about at the start of the interview. Uh, if you found any of that uh, conversation distressing, please call Safe Steps, a family violence response service, phone line on 1-800-015-188, or you can call WIRE on 1-300-134-130, and there's also the sexual assault crisis line on one 800 one, uh, sorry, eight zero six two nine two. I'm going to go to a song now by a Perth band. They are called 
Odette Mercy and her soul Atomics, and this song is called Baby. So we just heard from Odette Mercy and her soul Atomics with a song called Baby. And we've got an interview coming yes, up, haven't we? Yes, yes, we do. Sorry, I do apologize about this squeak. Um, so, on the line, we have Namila Benson. Namila Benson is a broadcaster, ABC producer, and educator who has worked across radio, digital, and television for nearly 25 years. Her narratives explore race, culture, and identity politics, particularly within the context of settler communities navigating their place on stolen land. She runs media and podcast training workshops across Melbourne and overseas, often mentoring young black people in the early stages of their broadcasting careers. She is currently a producer on the ABC's radio national program, Life Matters. Thanks for joining us, Namila. Oh, thank you, Ayan. Very good to be on the 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. I absolutely love what you ladies are doing, always killing the game. So thank you so much for the narratives you bring. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm smiling from ear to ear. And so is George. (laughs) I don't know. We're like both so, yeah, that's a huge compliment coming from you. Um, As we mentioned in your bio, you've worked across radio, digital and television for 25 years. Um, In your personal experience, how much has... Uh, Has anything changed since the last 25 years? Well, a lot has and a lot hasn't. I mean, it's wonderful that we live in times where there's a more democratised media, especially, I think, with podcasting. That's been incredibly powerful with um, having more voices kind of step up and have more control over their own stories. And I think through uh, platforms like podcasting, but also with community broadcasting. Um, and I started off at 3CR, in fact, 25 years ago this year. But when we're able to get in there, and when I say where, I mean those who are often not given access to uh, media, there's a level of authenticity to the kind of narrative um, we can bring, which means there's a lot more nuance. Um, and in particular with black women uh, from all around the world who are based here in Nam, we're incredibly lucky that with community radio, um, you know, we're, we're killing the game and it is absolutely changing the kind of stories that we're able to hear um, right across Australia. And because you have such an important platform and we're always talking about um, representation, in what ways, Namila, do you, do you use your platform to um, increase diversity? Well, it's a funny thing because diversity is such an awkward and odd <laughs> word. I mean, it kind of points to elements of people's um, identity that we don't necessarily... Uh, put to the forefront of how we present ourselves to the world, yeah? So mm. you kind of do your stories, Ayan, and I see the way that you do particular stories, and it ain't no thing. It's just kind of like we're just kind of ripping for our fam. Mm. I think when you're a person of colour, especially a woman of colour, we don't have the privilege of um, being able to do whatever we do, whether it's media or any other industry. Um, we don't get to do what we do and only speak for ourselves individually. We feel a deep commitment that we have to speak on behalf
behalf of our communities. And that, mm. that, you know, if you don't have to think of anyone else and you can just do your thing, I mean, that's a huge part of privilege. And um, whether it's white privilege or male privilege, I mean, black women just don't have that privilege. We don't have mm. access to that at all. So, um yeah, you kind of, I mean, I'm always conscious of the kind of stories that I want to report on and the angles that I want to rip them from. Um, and yeah, I mean, diversity, it's not really a word that I would necessarily mm. use, but uh, where I can, um, whether it's on the mic, it's making sure and ensuring that I bring a level of authenticity to the type of stories and, and having people from communities speak about themselves. I, I'm big on that. We all are. I know that you definitely are. That's what you bring to your stories, having people on the inside looking out because for so long um, it's always been people on the outside looking in, talking about us rather than with us. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm. Even with radio, I've I've only been doing it for a year, and when I do um, think about canvassing my interview guests, I'm always aware of the type of voices that we don't often hear, and I'm very conscious about providing that platform for the voices that we don't hear, because absolutely, because yeah. what other opportunities would they have? So, I just I feel like that's such a um, it's a form of a- activism without like going outside yeah. and demonstrating. So um, doing your part, I guess, um, if you're in a privileged position. Um, yeah. So let's, um, if we can switch to Monique. Um, for those who don't know, um, comedian and awarding, award-winning actress Monique recently revealed that Netflix offered her 500000 for a comedy special. Amy Schumer, a white female comedian, was offered $11 million and Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle, um, uh, they're male comedians and black, each received $20 million. She's accused Netflix of gender and racial discrimination and has called for a boycott of the company. So everyone's been sort of saying, oh, my God, that's just Hollywood. Um, you know, um, 500000 is a lot. So why do you think we should be following this story or why do you think race factors in discussions about the gender pay gap? I mean, it says everything. You've summed it up really well just with those stats and figures that you've given. And yes, um, Amy Schumer was offered 11 million, but, um, in actual fact, when she spoke up, she was given another 2 million. So mm. race always, for me, and I'm just talking purely from my point of view and my experience, feminism, of course, is important, but the default for that has always been whiteness and race has always, always preceded my gender um, in my experience of how I negotiate and navigate this world. Women of colour and black women specifically are constantly undervalued. I see that happening in NAM as well and I've had a big rant on um, Facebook because, you know, for all of my experience, all of my expertise, all of my knowledge with my credentials, I am constantly undermined in terms of what I bring to the table and sometimes you're just fighting so hard just to have a seat at the table that you don't even have the energy. I mean the fatigue and you know this Ayan mm. is real. It is so much 
that black women are constantly fighting for. And again, with that whole thing that we are not able to just fight for ourselves. We don't do it for ourselves. We're constantly having to think of others and setting precedents where our sisters can rise with us and, you know, work alongside us, etc. But we're always forgotten. I, I'm always asked to do free work. Like, for what I bring to the game, um, especially because I do a lot of public conversations, mm. and the expectations to just be free, and I'm going to keep it 100, you know, I'm just going to keep it real. Keep, but, it, keep it real. Um, I, <laughs> I work with, um, you know, like, and I'm forever sort of crossing paths with white men who are way less credentials than me, um, have much less to offer and actually don't bring as much uh, thought and precision to their craft, but who get paid way more than me, are much further ahead in their careers. I mean, I know that for me as well, um, it's also been motherhood that's kind of impacted uh, a lot of the choices I can make and a lot of what I'm offered. But yeah, race is important. When it comes to feminism, the way that black women experience womanhood and negotiate womanhood is just not the same as white women. And I mean, just as an indication, you know, between Amy Schumer and Monique, like Monique has been in the game for way longer than Amy mm. and you know it just it's mm. like the fact that we're always given scraps yeah. but that um, Netflix will, will benefit from that and that's what happens all the time the, what black women bring mm. is amazing yeah. pay for it exactly and to, and to add a uh, um, a note, Tiffany Haddish, um, she's, she's another black comedian and she's been doing amazing yeah. work. Amazing. Incredible work. She's been offered, um, a Netflix show and she was given 800,000 for that. Even I though. Mean, sorry? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just. That's, that's, so, and, and uh, that, that goes to what Monique was saying because the whole idea, Monique, cause their response to Monique was, um, you've got to be, you've got to be billing. You know, we pay you according to what we expect. And it's interesting the values that are put on black women compared to white oh. women and, and, and what's expected as well. So I thought that was interesting because Amy Schumer, when, when she was given that, um, series, she had, she had been on an award winning, um, movie. And Tiffany mm. Haddish as well recently with Girls Trip. So yes. why is she still being paid eight hundred thousand? So um, I guess that points holes in in their argument that it's about um, what, what you bring expect. to the table. Yeah, what you expect. Uh, I mean, and then that's a lie. It's not. I mean, they will pay what they deem to be worthy, and it's the wrong people who are deciding what is worthy. And that's what happens all the time, you know, especially with the game that we're in with media um, for so long. The kind of stories that would get out would be um, based on, you know, what what certain people thought were worthy stories and worthy angles. Like, it's always about worth. And, mm. yeah, definitely when it comes to feminism, mm. um, you know, there's a picking order as well in what, whose experiences um, are considered worthy within that, you know? Mm. Yeah. And uh, I feel like I can talk to you forever. <laughs> um, but I want to squeeze in one last question, and that is sure. 
for um, uh, black girls and women listening to this segment at the moment um, and they're interested in pursuing a career in media, what advice would you have for them? Please do it. There's amazing black women who are already in the game. And, you know, if there are, yeah, you know, black girls and women wanting to get in. I mean, we're so fortunate that we live in Nam and we're able to access community media. But get in there and know that, you know, I see you, I love you, I honour you. Uh, black women are amazing. Definitely know your worth, know your value. And most importantly, look out and support your other sisters because, you know, it's that whole thing of reach one, teach one, um, where, you know, if we bring in more of our sisters, not only will that lift the game, but we can just kind of all rise together. I mean, that's my dream, Ayan, is that one day, because, you know, I work in an office where I can go for weeks without seeing another black face, you know, and sometimes that kind of messes with you, that you're the only black person mm. within a particular space I want to be able on a Friday night before I go out to dinner or something with friends just holler at a sis across the office and say hey have you got any coconut <laughs> oil my hair's looking a bit trashy or yes. cocoa butter I got the ashy elbows sis. can you help a sister you know like that is... just things like that yeah. where I don't have to explain my hair or explain you know my bright lipstick and how it looks against my dark skin I don't, yeah, I, I'm done with that. You know, in the Miller's board. Mm, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you thank so you much. Thank you for your amazing questions, Ayan. And thank you for Tuesday breakfast. I often work on Tuesday mornings, but driving in and being able to listen to you incredible women and sisters just doing your thing. I love it. Wow. I love it. I've tuned in for a long time. So keep doing you, keep doing your thing. And thank you for the voices that um, you, you know, let share the mic alongside you. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Get in, get in, Namila. Thank you so much for appearing on Tuesday Breakfast. Oh, thank you. And that was Namila Benson. Um, Namila Benson is a broadcaster, ABC producer and educator who has worked across radio, digital and TV for nearly 25 years. Namila is the producer of ABC's radio national program, Life Matters. You can listen to Life Matters Monday to Friday at 9 a.m., Saturday at 3 p.m., and it also repeats Tuesday to Saturday, 4 a.m., and Saturday, 3 p.m., on your 621 a.m. radio dial. You can also listen as a podcast on www.abc.net.au slash Radio National. Listeners, do not forget 3CR, International Women's Day, Thursday the 8th of March. Talk Back With Attitude, 10 to 11, an all-women's affair for the day. So call in on 94190155. We would love to have some attitude from all the women out there and wish them all a happy International Women's Day. Genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing white fellows learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. 
you look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country, well there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune into Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. If you're tuning in, you're listening to Ayan and George on Tuesday breakfast on your 8.55 a.m. dial. And if you had listened to the previous interview, you would have heard from the amazing Namila Benson, who um, pretty much made our day. Like, what, 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 what did you think? I was just smiling. Yeah, that was, that was one of the best interviews I reckon we've had at Tuesday Breakfast. Very, very inspiring and incredible. And she's such a legend and she's been in the game for so long. So having her on, um, sharing her wisdom and just, um, yeah, telling it like it is as well and also telling us she listens to our show. (laughs) I mean, that made my day. Um, So, yes, thank you so much, Namila Benson. So we thought we would um, play a song before um, bringing in Tamara. So the song is called Girl um, from Destiny's Child. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for $49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3CR.org. Get a piece of your own history. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. Um, welcome, welcome back. Um, give me one tick. I had to swap the headsets because that's how professional that I am. Um, if you're tuning in, you're listening to Tuesday Breakfast with myself, Ayan and George. And before the CSAs, you were listening to um, one of my favorite songs from Destiny's Child called Girl, Girls. And I thought that would be a nice tribute to Namila Benson and all the sisters out there who are helping each other. And um, yeah, so now we have Tamara Lee Cock. Um, Tamara Lee Cock is the designer and um, sorry is a designer and stylist who works with recycled materials 
artists and techniques and Afrofuturist aesthetics, Tamara has since relocated to Melbourne to relaunch her label in connection with the land she now calls home. Her label is Remuse. Remuse is a non-based clothing label where futurism meets nature. The philosophy behind the label is to create small, ethically produced, trans-seasonal collections released quarterly at the time of each Equinix, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and each solstice, each collection gives Remuse an opportunity to reconsider its impact and material choices. Remuse is Ethical Clothing Australia Accredited Design and Handmade in their Collingwood studio. Welcome to Tuesday Breakfast, Tamara. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so, Tamara, um, the first question, because um, Tamara and I were having a conversation um, during the break, and I was like, I hope this question isn't too forward. Um, but when I think about fashion, I think about exploitation and cultural appropriation. But your show is interested in showing that this isn't always the case. Can you um, explain what ethical fashion is? I love that question. Thank you. Um, ethical fashion for me not only considers the material methods of producing the garment or product that is representative of fashion, but it also considers the ethics of inspiration, um, the ethics of transforming that inspiration into a visual item. And um, for me, I've looked at the ways even just the ethical fashion industry may be a bit um, one-sided because even moving from New York to Australia, the dominant culture that takes over fashion is very palpable. Mm -hmm. And as a black woman in this industry, and particularly in ethical fashion, I find that there isn't so much a platform for diversity, even within the ethical fashion framework. So I think that considering ethical fashion um, as a unit, one must consider not only having um, ethical, environmentally, um, people-mindful materials in terms of what material materials you're using, are they biodegradable, are they natural, where are they from, where are they sourced, what country are they sourced from, what is that trail um, that you're getting the actual products from, to the working conditions of your workers, to not only what you are representing out there, but also acknowledging that perhaps that silhouette or shape may not be something that just came from a designer's mind, but came from a particular tradition, a particular culture. And I think that designers and makers, while we live in a very culturally diverse world where sometimes the source of inspiration may be hard to track, at least be open to tracking it, at least Mm. be open to these conversations. Because even myself, um, a bit about my background. Um, I'm from the United States, but my family's from Brazil, St. Kitts, and the Bahamas. So I have a very hybrid identity. And being a descendant of people who had who traveled on, in their own right, and also being the descendant of enslaved people, uh, my entire identity and, and cultural makeup is a process of of identity formation, if not appropriation, but appreciation and considering just different sources of just being a person in this contemporary world. So I acknowledge that even myself, that I appropriate different cultural elements into Mm. my work and into my being. And I think it's also important that if I'm creating work or creating something that is um, 
that is not fully acknowledging someone in their culture, I encourage someone to bring that to my attention. And I think that more creatives need to do that. Wow. Sorry, but that answer um, really, I feel like, punched me in the gut. That was amazing. Because, um, you know, when you think about fashion, um, like, you don't realize, like, the way you describe it, there's just so much thought put into it. It's even thinking about the type of, like, the resources and the um, the, the materials that are used in um, the clothing. Like, I've never thought about that. I thought ethical was just, like... You know, as long as it has an ethical tick, but there's a lot of, it seems like there's a lot of process. You've put a lot of work into creating these designs. Yes, and um, I'm definitely not perfect. Anytime that you mm. make a product, you're stripping the environment of something to create something else. Mm. Um, so are my products completely carbon neutral, completely always biodegradable? No, I try my best to use all natural fibers. I hand dye all of my garments. Either I use uh, natural dyes or fiber reactive dyes, which are a low impact dye, because also with natural dyes, they require metal mordants. Mm. And if they don't require metal mordants, they require basically fermenting the plant for months, which requires energy and also resources. Mm. So... It's for me, I create collections four times a year so I can constantly think about how can I do this better? What information am I learning? Because I don't know everything, but I'm constantly trying to learn about how to improve my processes mm. so that they're better. It sounds like your show explores um, the relationship and I guess the tension between us humans and our relationship with the earth. What does a good relationship look like between the two? A conversation and communication. No, I think um, with any relationships, even the relationships we have with people, they mm. require communication, they require learning, they require listening. And so I think that in a healthy relationship with the earth would be listening to the earth, listening to what the earth is saying. And I think the earth talks in, in natural disasters. The earth talks mm. in the ways that... You know, just going outside, just just feel what you feel from the air around you and take that on board and think about, okay, how can my actions today respond to what the earth is saying? Mm. And the title of your show, um, Equanix, because I'm, I'm not familiar with that term, um, but off the bat, you know, it makes me think of like goddesses and cosmos and energy. Um can you tell us the significance of the name and why there's so much focus on the cosmos? Uh, for me, um, a lot of my work is inspired by Afrofuturism, which was and is an artistic form that originated, originated in a lot of places, but it's the way in which people who have been disenfranchised sort of create cultural forms that are inspired by escapism mm. and look to the future when the reality is, is not great. Mm. So I'm inspired by the cosmos, that idea of escapism, that idea of creativity and imagination and looking beyond if the reality is not desirable for one. So equinox, um, the equinox is a time during the year. It's, it's related to the position of the earth to the sun and the equinox and the solstice are four points within 
the the year in which the earth access is at a certain relationship to the sun so it usually marks seasons mm. so instead of going on the traditional fashion calendar which is you know spring summer fall or sorry fall autumn winter <laughs> um i'm trying to shift the narrative to look at time in a different way yeah. and particularly fashion time in a different way so um venus is the Portuguese word for Venus and that comes from my Brazilian background that's why I use Portuguese words in a lot of my mm, work yeah, so yeah. very shortly um, <laughs> Venus is the sister planet of Earth and so in terms of the size in terms of a lot of different elements the planet Venus is very similar um, and related to sort of Earth in a lot of ways however while on Earth we can breathe we have water we can live Venus is a planet that is complete fire and sulfur and completely yes. inhospitable as we know it. So while I'm not saying that Earth can become Venus tomorrow, mm. I think it's important that we are mindful of our actions so that we don't contribute to continued global warming. And I think that even organizations like Isa Caribe in particular, the organization that all the ticket profits are going to, they are really mindful of how even taking steps even after a hurricane because a lot of things happen after a hurricane how can we educate our youth how can we educate our adults mm. that while still recovering from a hurricane we can still put in our mind environmental conservation as a form of capacity building so that we don't become venus tomorrow okay thank you for that <laughs> um and you just i uh, you touched on it um just then about the ticket proceeds um, it going to the Institute for Socio-Ecological Research. Can you tell us about that institute and um, why you've decided to, um, I guess, give a portion to that institute? Yes. Uh, well, being from New York, when Hurricane Maria happened in September of last year, uh, it was a bit distressing for me because I haven't been home in three years. And a lot of my friends... They're either from Puerto Rico, close connections to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is so important, particularly in New York, in the States. There's so many people who move between New York and Puerto Rico. And I think that to imagine that a hurricane basically wiped out electricity off the entire island, that 11,000 people were without shelter, that mm. people were living waist deep in water for a month. And to think that Puerto Rico is a part of the United States and, you know, like, I'm not going to get into the politics of my country, but just the fact that, you know, similar to Katrina, mm -hmm. people were living waist deep in water and not getting any resources by an abysmal president mm -hmm. that would do nothing. So the only support that people got, so they weren't basically living like that, was through grassroots efforts. You know, even celebrities flying private jets to the island to bring food because the government, again, is doing nothing. So to... Imagine that even today, like five months after the hurricane, there's still people yeah. without water. There's still people without electricity in, in a country that has basically stripped the world of resources so it could keep wealth. Mm. That is unacceptable. And for me, just having close connections to friends who are directly involved with this organization, it's so hard to find sometimes organizations that you give them money, you don't know where it's going. But to have an actual connection to the people who are doing the work on the ground and to, you know, 
actually speak to the founder of the organization because he's out there with his truck mm. distributing solar-powered um, lamps, distributing many water tanks to the most affected islands while also creating um, environmental conservation campaigns with different islands, not only in Puerto Rico, but also in the Bahamas, also in the Dominican Republic. Mm. And I think that their model and approach of capacity building is really inspiring. And so I think for me, I felt connected to this organization as an example of how we can not only support through actually distributing the important basic needs that people need, and this could happen anywhere around the world, but also encouraging capacity building. You're not just throwing money at an issue, mm. but you're also looking at how we can build capacity mm. within our communities as well. Thank you so much for appearing on Tuesday Breakfast. That was incredible. And we will pull up the, um, the information for the event on our uh, Facebook page. But for those who don't know, um, Remuse Equinox versus, is it V Venus or versus V? V. As in five. <laughs> ah, okay, I see you. Equinox V Venus, um, uh, off-site runway is on Sunday, 18th of March at 5 p.m. and ends at 9 p.m. At the substation. <laughs> oh, sorry. I do apologize. At the substation. So we'll put all that information up on um, our Tuesday breakfast page and also, I guess, on our personal Twitter pages as well because we really want to promote this event because it's not just um, – it's not it, it's fashion, but it's, it's, it's more than fashion. It's bigger than hip-hop. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Join the Palm Sunday Walk for Justice and add your voice to the call for change to refugee policy. Demand Australia's political leaders to abandon the current harsh and unjust policies and provide permanent protection for refugees. Stand with people from all over Melbourne. Demand the evacuation of Manus and Nauru and end the cruelty. Meet at the State Library of Victoria on the 25th of March at 1.30pm. Palm Sunday Walk for Justice is a 3CR supporter. Okay, do you want to... So that's about all we have time for today at Tuesday Breakfast. Uh, it was a pretty spectacular show. Such a privilege to be in the room today. Uh, we had some fantastic interviews that Ayan um, uh, did. Who sp- uh, she spoke to Namila Benson, broadcaster and ABC producer. And also we just spoke with Tamara um, about a new fashion show uh, that is fundraising for Puerto, Re- um, Puerto Rico humanita- Humanitarian Relief. Um, and I also spoke with the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare about the new Family Violence Report. So we'll see you next week. Back with Lauren, hopefully, uh, for another great program. Thanks for listening today. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.